Welcome to episode 5 of Let's Watch Cop Rock, an 11-episode podcast discussing that classic police procedural rock musical soap opera crime drama, Cop Rock, 11 episodes of which aired on ABC during the fall of 1990. Over the course of this podcast as a whole, we discuss the events of the show, our reactions to the music, and the ways this program worked or didn't work, and why some of it still seems very relevant today. Sometimes we get political, sometimes we crack up uncontrollably, and sometimes we tell unbelievable but entirely true stories of our own lives, intersections with crime or law enforcement or both. And every episode we play good cop, bad cop, or innocent bystander. To briefly recap, the mayor got a heck of a lot of fake face removed and has turned into a mental and emotional child. Ronnie Cox, who is so amazing in Robocop, plays a character with an entirely baffling mix of motivations and mannerisms. LaRusso got tied up by his lawyer and turned into a leather bottom. Crystal Ashtray's mother still doesn't know she got ripped off when she sold her baby, but apparently wants her back. Leonard Betts, known for eating cancer in a very memorable episode of The X-Files, and is another great alumnus of Robocop, is now on the force. And CSI Father Husband, a character whom we really loved at first, is kind of starting to go weird. I want to say before we get started that this is the first ever episode of any of the podcasts I've ever produced that required zero editing or cleanup. I am so grateful to my co-hosts, Detective Duda and Officer Orifice, for being so incredibly clever and such a privilege to work with. Seriously, thanks y'all. I think you, the listeners, can tell from the conversation we're already having at the beginning of this episode that we really do enjoy hanging out and discussing stuff like this. We're switching up the release schedule because, frankly, we're having a lot of fun listening to ourselves, and we want to prolong that experience. From this point forward, each episode comes out every two weeks instead of every week. Just an FYI. Watch the fifth episode of Cop Rock before listening to this episode of the podcast. Trust me, it'll make a lot more sense that way. You can get Cop Rock on Amazon or direct from Shout Factory. There are links for each in the show notes. I want to mention again, we are in no way associated with the production of the television program Cop Rock, nor do any of us have any association with Shout Factory's production and distribution of the DVD. We gain nothing financially from your purchase of Cop Rock. What we get instead is the joy of spreading to others something we love. You can find Officer Orifice on Twitter as at Officer Orifice, and I'm there too as at Cop Rocker. Our theme music is The Crime by Risework with full attribution in the show notes. And now, let's watch Cop Rock. Like, you know, people say, like, do your top ten list of movies, whatever. Tootsie would be, like, near the top. I just think it's a perfect movie. It's so much fun. It's so, like, in so many ways, straddling two eras in our culture. Yeah. And um, it's about something that's so much fun. Yeah. The making of soap operas. Yeah. How incredibly trashy and catty everybody is. When you said it's about something, I was going to say, and it also... It's about something, you know? Well, it's and about, that's true. Yeah, it is about something. Yeah, I mean, sort of like the way that women are treated and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, it's such so of its time. And yet, it's sadly, it's kind of timeless because, you know, women still get a raw deal. You know, mm-hmm. Surpri- surprise, you know, Duda, I don't know if you know this, as a woman, uh, that, you know, you, you know get a raw deal. women tend to get a raw deal, right? That It tends to be a, a pretty sexist society yeah and mm-hmm. um uh, uh, but you know you just kind of think ugh, 
We learnt nothing from Tootsie. Yeah. But it was a great, uh, that was a great era for those kinds of movies. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, Tootsie was like 82 or whatever, but you had like 9 to 5, uh, 1980. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Private Benjamin, mm-hmm. I think it was 1980 as well. And they're just such fucking great movies. I actually got to see a drag parody of 9 to 5 done by Peaches Christ at the Castro Theatre uh, a couple of years ago, maybe. And it starred Pandora Box from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race as Pandora Lee. Okay. Um, the, the Dolly Parton character. Yes. And she had these like massive fake tits as part of it. It was <laughs> hilarious. But um, it was called Work. Right. It was so good. And they did their like 45 minute parody version of the movie and then they showed the movie. Oh, it was fantastic. That's awesome. You're looking a bit sheepish there, Duda. Um, maybe it's because I've never seen all of those movies. You've never seen 9 to 5? Or Tootsie or Benjamin. Private Benjamin? Yeah. Maybe that's why my only thought of women getting the raw deal was, you know the other round <laughs> <laughs> see and like at least it's kind of you know raw deal what the uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie <laughs> no I was thinking you know just raw deals right yeah yeah raw deals I think I've seen that movie <laughs> <laughs> the discount bin mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed it not a blockbuster <laughs> No, not a blockbuster. Not no, a blockbuster. Oh, I just showed my age. Oh well. <laughs> oh, says one of the co-hosts of a podcast about a twenty-seven-year-old television show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're all thirteen. I definitely am thirteen on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, I would say about that. Yeah. Should we introduce ourselves? Let's. In case somebody's coming in on episode five. 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 <laughs> uh. I'm Officer Orifici. I'm Detective Duda. And I'm Sergeant Snell. <laughs> we watch Cop Rock. Yeah. We watch Cop Rock. We watch Cop Rock and you should join us in it. Mm-hmm. And we watch <laughs> episode five. It's the best use of 45 minutes of your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're like, I don't know, you might be in prison. Or uh, you might be looking for ways to wind up in prison. Yes. Or not wind up in prison. Maybe. So, I mean, I think we've basically covered everyone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should watch Cop Rock. Everyone should watch. Everyone. Yes. Um, And we just watched, kind of, um, (laughs) episode five, The Cocaine Mutiny. The Cocaine Mutiny. So my very first note about this episode, last episode my very first note was that the least believable thing in the setup was the idea of a cop facing consequences Mm. the least believable thing in this episode is the idea of rich people facing consequences yes um because it it opens with a bunch of white collar types getting arrested for cocaine possession right yeah and there's it's, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of like uh, getting busted for cocaine possession palooza. Yeah. Because it's just like, there's fucking like 200 of them. 
<laughs> and they see other people getting busted, and they're just like still going after the dealer. Yeah. Exactly. Man, give me that powder. <laughs> exactly. Give it to me. It's like one of those videos of a Walmart on like Black Friday <laughs> when when like somebody gets trampled and everybody else is like, I'm gonna get their DVD player. You know, like here's a bunch of people in like big shoulder pad '80s business suits. <laughs> Who were like, yeah, you arrested that person. I'm going to go buy their Coke. Yeah. You know? it, it, I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, probably not very realistic, that opening scene. <laughs> really. I mean, people do, like, just pull right up to a bunch of <laughs> obvious drug dealers who might as well be wearing sandwich boards that say, want drugs? Talk to me. Yeah. And, uh, and then they start buying as the cops are literally standing there booking other people for having done it. Yeah. I, I was kind of, uh, um, I mean, you know, this is a musical show, and that kind of did remind me of, like, you know, the bit that you get at the beginning of musicals, where, like, the whole company com- comes on, and it's kind of like a, it's like a Les Mis kind of scenario, okay. yeah. where there's just fucking 300 people all getting busted for, like, cocaine mm-hmm. possession and that. And it's kind of saying, like, this is the show. It's about getting busted for cocaine possession. We're and it's trouble because we're white folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, of course, like, and it is a song. You know, they do yeah. sing during it, the, 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 yeah. this thing. It's a big song and dance. Well, there's no dancing, is there? It's a song and a resting. A lot of people twirl around, but it's mostly something you shoved against cop cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, great lyrics. Don't mess with my pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Uh, it's an American. Mm. Very political. Yeah. Cocaine was still definitely very popular. I mean, not that it's ever really been out of style, but... Mm. Like, so there's an, a really fascinating historical study that can be done of, of cocaine as a trend of who's... Cocaine is always in with somebody in American... And mm-hmm. from the earliest... From the beginning of the 20th century until now. But whatever stratum of society it's popular with says a lot about the times overall. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you see it like come and go as a drug of the rich versus a drug of the poor in one form or another, mm-hmm. you know? And so like in the nineties, Coke wasn't as popular as like the banker drug, but there was plenty of crack cocaine around. Right. Know, things like that. Um, and so it's cocaine follows a lot of really interesting shifts. And in that regard, this episode is, so far, kind of maybe the most '80s episode of this TV show that was oh, made yeah. in 1990, yeah, because it was it's about rich people and their coke and their big suits. Yes, and if it was about you know the people in the at that, that time frame that would have actually been using crack, it would have been largely you know urban ethnic folks who would have been like mm-hmm. thrown in jail for ten times as long as the yeah. rich white people thrown on the bus because mm-hmm. there was like that that difference of opinion of oh these are the white collar coke users and these are the hard drug dealers made from the same fucking thing yeah. you know but it was just a different strata of who was using what but mm-hmm. that's really right. int- I've never really thought about the yeah. history of cocaine but. well that, and then there is that kind of informs like a plot point right where somebody who has been uh, busted for the uh, this yep. coke palooza um, is uh, is the, then turns out to have not spent much time in prison at all because of who they are mm-hmm. and who they are being well-connected white people. Yeah. This is one of the things that I find genuinely really fascinating about this TV show. And one of the ways in which I think it's really innovative as a cop show, like, it explores 
in a way that like Hill Street Blues kind of did and like the Shield kind of did, except the Shield is about like abjectly terrible people. Um, and like NYPD Blue kind of did, which is a different Botchko show if I remember correctly. Um, and like the Commish kind of did, except the Commission is like super family friendly cop show. But this show explores not like it doesn't obsess over the uh, the authoritarian heroism of cops, and it doesn't obsess over the idea that all cops are terrible, awful monsters. It depicts people who are in a really difficult system who sometimes are trying to use that system for the good and sometimes are just trying to survive that system and sometimes are trying to use that system for the bad. And in that sense, it gets to like dig into much more difficult topics. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything to try to resolve those topics, but it at least like unearths them a little bit in a way that a lot of other cop shows would not have done at this time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting what you said about how it, how it deals with those because... Um, it's not, the this episode isn't just about the coke and the uh, white collar workers because we have we do have two other storylines running throughout this episode right we've mm-hmm. got the um, uh, the captain asking to have Crystal Astro's mother put into rehab yeah which is a bit of a, a, a an about face from the previous episode mm-hmm. and we've also got a stalker storyline. Mm. Mm. And I put in my notes three interesting storylines, which they are. And then I put, is the show getting good? Well, spoiler alert, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> because the interesting storylines that eventually don't necessarily lead anywhere particularly interesting. I think the... The Crystal Ashtray um, storyline, I mean, it's obviously always going to be amazing, and it is. <laughs> Necessarily. Yes. Uh, but the uh, the Stalker storyline uh, collapses like a flan in a cupboard, mm-hmm. and uh, the um, the coke-busting thing, that, tends, that, that just kind of goes a bit off as well. I actually think that the coke-bust storyline takes a really interesting turn. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Difference of opinion here. Totally. So, um... Not that I'm already auditioning for Good Cop, but... Well, I'm getting that, I'm mm. getting that sense. So, um... The next thing I have is uh, a note about Trish. Terry Austin. Uh, not not Landings, Terry Austin, as I'm yes. going to refer to her from now on. Okay. Not Landings, Terry Austin character Trish so do you have anything before that so refresh our memory on Trish well Trish is the one who uh, tied up um, angry Italian LaRusso LaRusso uh, in the previous episode oh yeah when she made him into a leather bottom yes she made him a leather bottom yeah and uh, um, we kind of thought oh she's a bit kinky yeah she's a bit sex mad Mm. well in this episode we find out that she's not sex mad she's just sex positive because Mm -hmm. she's not there to to, for LaRusso's pleasure she's she's there for her own pleasure and then he's kind of like a bit 
clingy. Pining, yeah. And she's a bit mm-hmm. kind of like, well, you know, we had a good time. Yeah. That's it. So she's she's not sex mad, she's sex positive, and she's kind of awesome. I love her character. Yeah. And I kind of like that she turned down Pining LaRusso, too. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. he's done that with that, his other girlfriend mm-hmm. and then, like, treat her like shit. So yeah. I'm really glad she was like, boop, nipping that in the bud. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she didn't, and and, and uh, Knott's Landing's Terry Austin's character Trish um, didn't even have to do any mud wrestling. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, scot free. Yeah. So and she's totally in charge, and she knows she's in charge. Yeah. And she has no compunctions about telling him how it's going to be. It's going to be her way or the highway. Yeah. The end. Done. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in Torchwood, there was an episode early on in Torchwood. Where the really sort of narcissistic uh, scientist guy falls for, yeah, no, um, who showed up as the lackey of a villain in a Marvel movie later. Anyway, um, he... uh, Burn Gorman. Oh, thank you. Um, There you go. If you ever need that for a crossword puzzle. so (laughs) That's the actor's name, not not some kind of affliction. (laughs) Um there's an episode of Torchwood where he falls for a time-traveling World War II flying ace who's a woman. Yes. And she basically, like, she lands her plane in the future and has no idea where she is and what's happened, and he, like, gets tasked with babysitting her, and she's completely badass, Mm -hmm. and he falls head over heels for her, and then she's like, this was fun, Jacko, but, like, I gotta get in my plane and go win a war, so I'm out of here, (laughs) and and he's, like, all like, oh, but won't you stay with me forever, and she's like, um, no, anyway... You know, the party gotta go be a badass. Yeah, yeah. flaps up, you know, so uh so to speak. Spiralizer And uh private joke. <laughs> and so she like goes and at the time I was like, Oh, that's so innovative and interesting that the storyline would be about the guy like wants to like be in charge of this relationship, but he's but he's not. But no, like 10, 12 years before that, here's this episode of Cop Rock, of all things, mm-hmm. where the, the notorious womanizer of the force is wrapped around the pinky finger of an independent woman who is yeah. like, hey, guess what? You're not in charge. Yeah. No. Awesome. I think we love her. I think we're all hoping she's going to be back next episode. Oh, totally. Yeah. I Also, I wrote, because um, there's a scene slightly before that where the cop who is married to husband-father... Um, she's like talking to Crystal Ashtray's mother and is like advocating for her. Yes. And I wrote down the most believable thing about this episode is that only a woman would stand up for another woman this strongly mm-hmm. because all the male cops are like, whatever, she's garbage. And, uh, and detective daughter wife is like, no, she's pretty cool. And she yeah. seems like she really wants to have her shit together. Yeah. Well, then she came and was like, hey, I fucked up. I sold my baby for, you know. Yeah. 40 bucks less than I thought I did. Three dollars, <laughs> whatever it was. Some <laughs> small amount of money. Yes. <laughs> um, I have song, Welcome to the Campaign Trail. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it. Well, so the there's somebody running for party. governor. Mm-hmm. There's a carrot, huh? Go ahead. I just said bougie LA party. Yeah, so there's a <laughs> party. So it's LaRusso's girlfriend That's is at nice. a political fundraiser. Yes. And a guy who was running for governor, party 
unidentified. Although he says things like we're going to do good things for the environment. Mm. And it's 1990. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's an indicator. Maybe not. Uh, California was, you know, like everyone, still trying to recover from the Reagan era. But um, so he gets up and starts giving a speech and his speech turns into a song while LaRusso figures out that the woman he's been banging has another boyfriend or several and she does not give a shit about his feelings regarding this. Mm. Which I love so much. Yeah. Yeah. Burn LaRusso in your little tiny arms. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we've we've pretty much established now that his arms are regular sized. No. We we were just watching Cut Rock on the wrong, wrong ratio aspect ratio won't we i'm an arm size denier okay <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a t-rex arms truther well you heard it here first listeners mm-hmm. um <laughs> yes now i want to take my notes like this <laughs> um i remember thinking that song uh welcome to the campaign trail um it kind of worked quite well because the guy was already on stage he was already addressing an audience, right? So it kind of made sense that he would burst into some well, kind of sense, a cop rocky kind of sense, <laughs> that he would sing a song like that. Yeah, it's like a you know the old Hollywood musicals where they're already on a soundstage and then they they they, they you know they, they they go into a song. It's just mm-hmm. like well, of course they do because that's what they, you know because they would. That's what's happening. Or when they're on the pulpit for a funeral, you know, it happened then, too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you're mic'd up, you're ready to yeah. break out in song. Yeah. It's a good thing I don't find myself in front of a microphone that often. <laughs> 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 Listener, zuppiware. <laughs> Would you sing Welcome to the Campaign Trail, though? Uh, I, um, no, I don't even... It's been like, you know, an hour. I don't even remember. <laughs> That's the, It is a really forgettable song, though. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a really generic, forgettable song. And like this was the point at which the network was saying, like, get rid of the songs and we'll renew you. Just make the songs go away. Mm-hmm. And so they're calling in more outsiders to do the songs. They're trying to lean less on the regular cast and let them focus on acting. But they're also um, like trying to figure out ways to ease the transition into the music so that it's not as jarring. Yeah, and because like early on, especially when like father husband is like sitting there in his undershirt in his study <laughs> singing his weird ass song, like that's really jarring. It's just like, what the fuck is happening here? So well, we just saw him pee. We might as well just see him in his undershirt. Yeah, might as well. You know, I mean, God, he's already half naked. I'm Why really make the man get dressed. <laughs> he's just gonna sing I'm in re- his drawers. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I would love it if at some point he sang a song at the urinal. That would, <laughs> that would really make me happy about his prostate like problems. Not. Sure, and his heart disease. Piss and blues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got the piss and blues. <laughs> It's yellow and blue. No new prostate news. <laughs> My heart's about to go too. <laughs> I mean, bow, bow. That's the song that you'd sing behind mm-hmm. a microphone. Right. I think it is. Yeah. I just made it out. Yeah. That's great though. <laughs> Doodas prostate medley. Mm-hmm. That'll be the bonus track on the original soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think also can we do like the five minute laughing oh. session? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Holy crap, yes. That will definitely be there. Oh yeah. Um, another note that I have though is also this is pretty early for a stalking storyline. Mm. Yes. Because that's something that also gets introduced right in the beginning. Yes. Um what year is this? This is like 1990. 1990. I can't think of many stalking. Yeah, I can't. I'm, before that. I meant to do like some when, research. When was the Jean Benet like kid stalking? That was 92, right? Well, Jean Benet Ramsey bit... was in the early 90s. Yeah. I was trying to think of. Um, not that I'm a big Knott's Landing aficionado. But. But. Um, I would be, given the chance, but. Warner Brothers, if you're listening, can you please release seasons 3 to 14? Because some of us who bought seasons 1 and 2 on DVD 5, 10 years ago are still fucking waiting. What? Wait, so they've released the first two seasons and then there's another 12? Yeah. yeah. I know, it's an outrage. It was on for 14 years? Yeah. And there was a stalking... And there was a stalking storyline in it. And I can't remember when that was. So that was kind of pretty late on. Because um, if you watch, like, a bit like um, Dallas or Dynasty, how uh, when you, if you watch the first season, I think the first season of both of those shows was actually quite short. I think mm-hmm. the first season of Dallas is, like, six episodes. And the first season of Dynasty is, like, 13 or something. And they're actually very well-written dramas, and there's a lot of thought behind them. And the same is kind of true for Knott's Landing. But like those other two soaps, as it went on, it got more and more outlandish. So, of course, like, you know, people being taken up in spaceships in Dynasty, or (laughs) Crystal being replaced by her doppelganger. Mm -hmm. Um, That was so fucking awesome. Crystal, uh, regular Crystal? Yeah, oh yeah, regular Crystal. Crystal No, no, not not Crystal Light. Wouldn't it be great if Crystal... Crystal Light or Crystal Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> Great if like Crystal Ashray turn like they return an alien baby. Carry on. Oh my god. We haven't watched the next episode yet. Okay, we don't we know what's happen. coming. It might okay. happen. It might Carry happen. on. Uh so uh and then obviously like Dallas, Bobby in the shower, all that kind of shit. Um and then Knott's Landing yeah. went from just being like uh like a drama about people living in a cul-de-sac, living their regular kind of suburban lives to all sorts of Things like obviously uh, Terry Austin's crazy. Um, actually, she wasn't a stalker, but she was a uh, not in in the traditional sense of the word. But she was kind of like a Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction kind of character, where oh. she and Gary had a thing, and then she just couldn't let go. So that's kind of stalkerish, right? Yeah. But also Karen McKenzie who uh, I think, oh, I can't remember her original, Karen, anyway, who started off as, like, you know, I think she was a housewife. By the later stages, she was a TV star. (laughs) She was so good. Um, She was, like, a daytime (laughs) TV celeb. And she had her stalker. And I'm pretty sure this was probably around 1990. Must have been. Yeah, maybe a bit later. But I would say this is a fairly sort of, like, contemporaneous with... Cop rock. Mm-hmm. And she had a stalker, and it turned out it was the um, uh, the I think it was like the crazy spoilers the crazy um, security gra- guard 
with a kind of like a weird orange Brillo pad hair that who worked at the TV studio. Was it Leonard Betts? Yeah, no. I was going to say, <laughs> he was a bit like Leonard Betts. Did he find, you know, find himself slightly hungry whenever he saw cancer? <laughs> I don't know. I think, so. yeah, because I think somebody in Knott's Landing had cancer, but I can't remember oh, if some, sure. somebody so turned up to eat it. He was the wrong cancer person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I think Karen had cancer. Karen might have had cancer. I don't know. I mean, I was... Karen, if you're listening, write in, let us know. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> that would have been quite clever, wouldn't it? Because they could have like fin- like finished two different storylines in one go, couldn't they? They could have. Yeah, could have sort of like, oh, I've got a stalker, but and then you think, oh, this isn't going to end well. But then he ate her cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. So he gets home satisfied, and so does she. Leave the France. <laughs> so, so um, anyway, sorry, I just we've gone off a bit there, haven't we? That was great, though. Oh. I I feel like that's quality discussion. Mm. Um, I feel though, like uh, we covered a lot there, actually. We Lots did. of different TV shows. We did plus health. Plus. <laughs> so if you ever have a stalker who comes up to you and sniffs you a lot, yeah, and says something like "I'm sorry, but you have something I need," yeah, which is what Leonard Betts would say to people in X Files, yeah, then you'll know a cancer, b it's about to be treated. Yes, exactly. And you may not live because did any anybody he? Oh, uh, his mother lived. Okay, because I couldn't remember if anybody that he ate the cancer from. Yeah, survived. he was kind. Like of, if it was like a topical, like you know, a carcinoma. Yeah, you'd think. Or like, couldn't he like target people with skin cancer? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Couldn't he just like yeah. you know like hunt? Them? You still need skin though, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't need all of it. You and know? you can just like go in and just tuck it, and then it's kind of like you know, get a little yeah. liposuction. It's like just... bonbons. Bonbons. <laughs> <laughs> Cancer bonbons. <laughs> mm. Anyway, Cadbury's, oh. if you're listening. <laughs> there oh. you go. There you go. You could just use uh, Cadbury's cream eggs and just like put different wrapping or something on them. You could Cancer have bonbons. You have different, different like cups, shades of flesh, and could you know. yeah, yeah. So anyway, before this turns into the weird cannibalism podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like 1990-ish mm. is like around the time that like the notion of stalkers became more of a cultural concept. Because there have been a lot of celebrity stalkings. David Letterman had a stalker who mm-hmm. like kept getting arrested, trying to break into his house and things like that. And um, there were a number of stalkers who had celebrity stalkers. Oh. Uh, there were, I don't remember now, I haven't... There were a couple of instances of celebrities like actually being victims of violence by their stalkers, and I don't right. remember if, if there have been any big headlines like that by this time. Yeah. But that notion of a stalker was kind of in the cultural conversation, but also wasn't really being taken seriously at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so I feel like this storyline had such potential to be a great exploration of that. Yes. Because this woman comes in and is like, hey, I've got a stalker. And all the men in the police station stand around and say, well, unless he draws blood, we can't really do anything. It was nice meeting you. Go yeah. on. And it's just like, wow, thanks a lot for believing the victim. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. I think I put that, the victim blaming as one of the first notes because there wasn't an imminent threat or danger. And I was kind of like, you know, talking about the different themes of um, how things change. I have a friend who recently went through something and we mm-hmm. went to the police, the local police mm-hmm. station and 
They're like, absolutely, this is something you should report to us and we'll take note. And if anything happens, give us a call and we've got this on the books in case, you know, I was like, thank God. Yeah. Well, but, you know, it's also kind of, you know, now I think the thing instead of stalking is kind of police, you know, crime back and forth between, you know, people being murdered by police and or police right. attacking mm-hmm. or people being attacked attacking the police and yeah. i think that's kind of where we're at now with the stalker issue because mm-hmm. that's uh, that that is how the st- stalker storyline ends right it's basically it just fizzles out because it's like there's a suggestion that it's just her fault yeah they think every time then throughout this episode every time they go back to the stalker thing they really try to make it seem like it's her fault or at least her problem. And or yeah. it's okay because he's not really doing anything. Yeah. Right, yeah. Even though he's got like her pictures plastered all over his place. Yeah. yeah in a really awful way. I actually um, have not first hand experience of this, thank God. But um, somebody who used to work for me had a stalker mm-hmm. and um, she used to get the bus home and he used to get on the same bus and sit a few rows behind her Mm -hmm. and she was becoming aware of him constantly looking at her and then he started sending her letters and then he um, created a website all about her wow so photos my eyes are very wide at the moment descriptions of her Um, he had a um, a name for her um like a like a description descriptive name of her and um he was and she went to the police and they were very good you know um i mean there was there's only a limited amount of stuff they could do because they they said to him you can't come within this many feet of her Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff but you know he was still you know around yeah um because i think the whole reason it all started was that they worked in the same town and they would get the same bus back to their... I don't know if he was from the same... Uh, you know, if he lived in the same place, but, you know, they would they would travel the same route. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually she ended up having to to go work elsewhere in a different town. Good grief. Yeah. God almighty. So... I actually worked with a guy who, it turned out, in the 90s, had been a stalker and had his uh, victim had a uh, restraining order against him that said that he could only come within so many hundred feet of Mm -hmm. her at any given time and so they both went to the same university and um, and he was trying really hard to abide by this and realized that what he had done had been really messed up and that Mm -hmm. his understanding of their relationship was not her understanding of their relationship and he was really trying to like get his act together on that front to his credit mm-hmm. and he had to like arrange his class schedule and things so that he didn't violate yeah. the terms of the of the uh, agreement or not the agreement but the uh, restraining order um, but you know I was just like wow that explains so much about like the little things that you notice in a co-worker's personality that make you think well I'm really glad I don't know them on a personal level mm-hmm. You know, and like once I found that out, I was like, oh, that confirms so much if that my gut has told me about ding, this person. Ding, 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 yes, ding. exactly. I 
I myself have had a couple of notes left on my vehicle. Really? When I worked at a very public place and um, there was a group of people that came to my public place that also knew where I lived because I saw them coming and going to work and um, I think it was somebody from there. It was very, it was weird because it was on my car at one point. I've actually had three notes left on my car. I think potentially by three different people. Um, one was from somebody I think it was a customer at a place that I worked at. The second one might have been a similar situation, but a different person. It was very like, would you like to go dancing with me kind of thing. It wasn't like I watch you get dressed in the window and stuff like that. So I was just mm -hmm. very aware of, you know, who mm -hmm. I talked with. And it, it was, it still creeped me the hell out. Yeah. And then there was another instance where I had driven to kind of a local place where people go that's supposedly kind of creepy maybe not necessarily haunted but has kind of a extended history of secret society -ish, ish okay in my car after and, we're done recording i really want to hear about yeah this. and so i drove around my actually my best friend was driving my vehicle mm -hmm. and we went around the building and he was telling me the story about it from a long time ago and um, we drove back through a mile or so from there, a mile and a half to my house. And about three days later, there was this folded notebook paper that had a map from the said place and had like a river of a road to my house. Ew. And it was on my windshield. What? That is At my place. Up. And while my friend and my cousin who both knew about it I knew their handwriting could not be that, like they would have to have hired somebody else to write right. it because they both have really terrible handwriting and I could have recognized either of their handwritings. Um, and it was neither of them. And I basically went to them. I was like, did you fucking write this? And they were like, no, we have no idea. So the only thing I can think is that there was some sort of, like when, when we drove through, there might've been some sort of like tag registration that they saw sure. my license plate tag and found out where the car was registered and did that to scare me. But it fucking scared me because I oh was like, God. it's not like we were doing anything. We weren't like, you know, damaging property. We were just driving through, taking a little tour of this area and Jeez. it wasn't a private road. And But that was the third note that I got. So it was like the first two notes were kind of like, oh, you're so pretty. Let's go dancing, which was still mm. weird. And like, yeah. I, yeah. I kind of have an idea of at least maybe a group that it came from and I didn't feel like it was like I never felt like any of those people that I worked with from that it may not have been them and I probably should have been terrified but I, I couldn't allow myself to be terrified over something that I didn't have any yeah. it wasn't like you know I'm watching you I'm stalking you I'm I want to murder you and or you know kiss your thighs or what it wasn't anything mm. but it was still freaking weird so oh, super yeah creepy yeah so that was three instances and about a six to eight month period. So I was kind of freaked out. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I had a, a, a note pushed through um, a locker I was using once. And it, you know, it was very sexually explicit in nature. Wow. So obviously I fucked in. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, mm -hmm. Yeah, he did leave a number, so. <laughs> Where was fun. his locker and can I rent it? <laughs> 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 Listener, 
I fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I think the weird thing about mine was that the, I don't think there were phone numbers left on either side. One of them was like, you can come to this place. Which oh, I think might have been no. the place of employment because maybe he didn't have a phone number or wanted to leave his phone number. He's like, come to this place on this day at this time. Which is a very public place. It was a parking lot of a, like, a store. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've so, watched Unsolved so I drove, Mysteries. I, I drove past like the main street right there. I was like, do I know who it is? <laughs> is he waiting? Oh, God. Yeah. I've watched too many episodes of Unsolved Mysteries to ever fall for that. Yeah. Hell no. I, I drove down the... Well, I guess if you knew my car. <laughs> 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 Nobody else drives that <laughs> big old blue car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially if you'd left the note on the windscreen. <laughs> that would be a bit of a giveaway, wouldn't it? Like, hey. <laughs> Call me, maybe. Not. <laughs> My next note is... New Svelte Mare appears to be a whimpering non-entity. Uh. Her hair is definitely an entity. <laughs> it's like he can have his own, like, you know... LLC going on, zip for code, real. something. Yeah. Area yeah. code, zip code, corporate identity, yeah. everything. Yeah. That hair. Oh. Oh. I know. She was so much better before she turned into a, all of a sudden an 11 year old girl. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, I'm really hoping that she, you know, she improves. And gets her sassiness back. Yeah. And her kind of. I don't know what's happened to all her sass. It's like it got, it's, her sass got sliced. Yeah. Um. That's all I have about it because she's such a non-entity now. It's like there's there's nothing worth noting about her. So there is a scene where she plays kind of plays hardball with the councilman, who's uh, the the vote that they need for the police budget. Right. There is a scene where she's like, listen, you, because he's like giving her guff about the budget request. And she's like, listen, I'm, I need your vote and it's up to you to give it to me. So, you know, I'm the mayor, you're the councilman, get your shit together. And I actually wrote a note. The cops playing hardball with the councilman is actually good TV. Mm-hmm. And the mayor playing hardball with the councilman is actually good TV. It actually is. Mm-hmm. She's great in that. But right. as soon as her story, as soon as anything she's in is back to the question of, am I pretty enough for people to like me? Mm-hmm. Then I want to die. Mm. Becomes insufferable. She's such a great character. She's a, portrayed by a great actor. Mm-hmm. Why reduce her to that? I hope it gets better. I hope there's a point to it. Fingers crossed. I hope that by the end of it, she's thinking, do you know what, this being pretty black isn't all it's cracked up to be. And then she just, like, sits down with 24 Cadbury's cream eggs and, like, just, like, mainlines those fuckers. And then the next time you see her, she's, like, this massive heifer. Uh, but she's she's happy and she's bolshy. And yeah. she's, like, you know... Just a boss, boss, boss. Yeah. I mean, she might have quite serious indigestion as well, but... Probably. And or diabetic coma possibility. Yeah. Maybe. <clears throat> so, uh, then I've got... 
the only way to stop doing drugs is by stopping doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure is a line from Cop Rock and not just it my, <laughs> my, like, un- self, uh, was it? my unconsciousness kind of asserting itself <laughs> and trying to tell my conscious self to step away from the Cadbury's cream eggs. I have a bit of a problem with Cadbury's cream eggs, listeners. Uh, you may have gathered this by now. Are you auditioning for the part of the mayor? In the I movie? am, yeah. Okay. Why do you think my hair looks so massive? <laughs> Can we go get you a spoon? <laughs> <laughs> I just inhale them. That's why my nostrils are this big now. Uh, no, you get you get mini egg nostrils. Mini egg nostrils. Like, like no bigger. Okay. <laughs> no need to go to the surgeon under the knife. You don't need to like get the full like egg <laughs> sucking nose. Just get rid of this. Uh, is it, you your septum. The septum. I just take it out. Just like to me. <laughs> you can have just like a little tripod that you just like tilt up, put the cream egg in, tilt the nose back down. It's like a little like balancing shelf, you know. Imagine the hit though that you get. It's almost worth doing a shitload of cocaine just to get rid of my septum, so I can then move on to harder stuff, i.e., entire cream eggs. (laughs) (laughs) And then we can have the Cadbury Rebellion. Yeah. Um, the like Cadbury Mutiny. Yeah, the Cadbury Mutiny. I so in high school in the eighties, I went to school with a kid who did so much coke that he sneezed out his septum <gasps> in the middle of geometry class. No, like he sneezed, and this like bloody mass landed in the middle of his geometry textbook, and like blood was gushing out of his face. And our teacher was this screaming queen. And we, I lived in a really rural area where, like, screaming queens were not okay. <laughs> but our teacher is this screaming queen. And he had this habit of, like, biting the, the end of the earpiece of his glasses when he was writing on the board. And he's writing on the board while this happens. And this, like, horrible, like, almost gurgling sneeze happens. And our teacher turns around and, like, looks at it with the end of his earpiece in his mouth for a second and then says, Mmm... You'd better go to the school nurse. <laughs> oh, that's right. We don't have one. And he just turns around and keeps writing because everybody hated the kid. And oh he was this God. like rich asshole kid and everybody hated him. And, um, and so he ended up like gathering up his face and running out of the room. <laughs> and he had to have, he didn't literally sneeze on all of his septum, but he did like strip it really hard. Had to have like reconstructive surgery while we were in high school. Fucking a man. He was a real dick. Oh my god. But our teacher just being such a catty bitch to him about it was We don't have one. (laughs) Oh, that's right. We don't have one. I wonder I wonder if like his dad was some sort of mayor or somebody who stripped the school like funding. No, No, his parents were rich, but they weren't like important. No. They weren't connected. No. Uh-huh. Well, nor was his septum. No, yeah. Neither were. Although his his nasal passages were connected after that. Yeah. There was nothing in the Did middle. Did you just get like a giant, like zero. Cheese <laughs> <laughs> you know, thing. Yep. It's basically just a proboscis at that yeah. point. Oh my lord. 
like an elephant who just picks up his food and eats it with his nose. Have you asked him if he's moved on to Carberry Eggs? <laughs> oh, I don't want to intrude like that. You know? <laughs> it's been a lot of years. Yeah. I hope he's gotten better, not worse. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my Lord. So there's my story for this week. Um, the stalking song. Oh, before we do that real oh. quick, my one note that I'm not really sure what this is meaning is... Dinner Leonard Betts Stacy pity fuck for people who refuse to fuck. Yeah, so, so yeah, so she says to him, "Well, why don't I?" Because she's like all pretty. She's a soap star actually in the in the episode. She's she like is a soap star, and yeah, it's very meta. And, it's uh, very not landing. Very meta. Okay, uh-huh. so that uh, was. And so she says to him, "He's she's all he's all like, oh well, it really sucks that you're getting stalked anyway. Whatever, call us when you're dead. Right, right, right. And uh, and she's like, oh, but you know." Gosh, I would love to have dinner and tell you all about my problem. Right, and right. then she does all this like cutesy pie face at him during dinner, and he's like, uh, <laughs> "I am a walking erection with lines," and uh, and then he completely falls for it. Right. Okay, I remember that. And then he goes back to her place, and yeah, yeah. he's all like, "Oh well, hmm, maybe we could, you know, go talk about it at your place." And, yeah. Is that when he sings "Beautiful Eyes"? No, um, it's it, he sings "Beautiful Eyes" after he doesn't. They don't go back to her place like right after dinner. Right. He sings "Beautiful Eyes." No, he sings "Beautiful so, Eyes" well, after everything that's happened. Right. Yeah. So then it's the uh, her admirer. I don't mean no harm. Don't be concerned. Yeah. All the photos and her the stalker sings a song. That's too. it. Yeah. That's the stalking yeah. song I've got here. Yeah. Yeah. And I've written. Ice cream corsage. <laughs> no, I mean, we should point out we were writing in the dark, weren't we? Yeah, this well, we in the dark and after a magnum of wine. <laughs> not that we condone drinking on the job. No, definitely not. Especially not if you're a cop. Exactly. But Unless it's really stressful. It was very stressful. We were on our second episode of Cop Rock. Oh, my Lord. I oh, so I've that's re- when she shot Gary. That was when she shot yeah. him at her place, yeah. I put... Every ball. What can that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> Every ball. Every ball. Ball. B u l l. Yeah. Or b a l l. B u l l. Every ball. Every ball. Doesn't ring a bell for me. Sorry. Listeners, uh, let us know when you watch the episode yes. after you've listened to <laughs> the stalking song. Which. It's it's something to do do with the stalking song. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That might be the ice cream corsage. I don't know. Every every. He does have a little corsage that he puts on. He pins on himself when he's going to go be. My dad writes ice cream. Break into her house for her birthday, like you do with on normal dates. So is it like an ice cream corsage that you stab somebody with, that then it disappears like the ice pick? Well, that was a heck of a reach, but no, I don't don't know. Can you get a little Neapolitan stab there? (laughs) Well, we had some vanilla on the inside and some chocolate and strawberry. I think this looks like we got the... I don't don't know what that's about. I don't know what ice cream corsage is about. The the note Good the only note I have before that that uh-huh. I think is worth pointing out is in the like all you have to do to quit drugs is quit drugs you know that's the only uh-huh. way I wrote just say no we fucking get it <laughs> like, oh god damn because addiction is that easy uh, 
So, well, I'm all over the place, it seems. Um, song Beautiful Eyes, was there anything before that? Um, all the, the only note... Uh, well, okay, actually, yeah, I do have a couple of notes okay. before that. One, I wrote the Soap Star storyline is both innovative and incredibly clumsy. Mm. Um, but Stalker Song, I'm into it. It's nicely creepy. And yet again, they go to an outsider for the good song. Mm. Yes. But Leonard Betts, oh, I'm going to say about be- for the good song. And Leonard Betts sings Beautiful Eyes, which is not a good song. But he can sing. He can sing. He can sing. That's really important. Mm-hmm. And now we know why he got added to the cast. Yeah. I mean, he's fine as an actor. That's great. Yeah. But he can sing. Yeah. And, and that's really important. Even if it's terrible lyrics. And it's like terrible skin lyrics. Skin like satin, heart like stone. Oh. 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 Sing into the lockers. Yes. So yeah, sing into the lockers in the cop locker room. That's kind of hot. Mm. The only thing it'd be droppers if he was, you know, pissing out some stones or, mm-hmm. you know. That's a different character. If only, <laughs> if only his prostate visibly throbbed. <laughs> this episode is making me feel quite bilious, actually. <laughs> More red wine. Yes. Um... So, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, then, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'm jumping ahead too, too, too quickly... But I got. I, we find out Crystal Ashtray's full name. Yes. Which is Crystal Jennifer Spence Ashtray. Yes. Yeah. Or. Or. Christable. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what Duda heard. Christable. Christable. You're not supposed to pour the wine in your ears. <laughs> but go, I hear go, that go, go. I hear that works <laughs> yeah so yeah I'm not entirely sure how Crystal I mean I don't know if it's a good thing if it says a lot about the actress possibly actor who plays Crystal Ashtray who is let's face it just a baby slash child but um we just keep coming back to Crystal Ashtray and there's just this like, it's almost like a, a, a hidden narrative in Carprop. Oh, totally. And it's all about this child. Well, I mean, we didn't even finish the first episode before we got to the point of writing a fanfic about her. That's true. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we keep talking about they should bring Coprock back. Yeah. And they should bring Coprock back. And the main character should be Crystal Ashtray as a grown-up mm-hmm. who is now a cop herself. Yeah, totally. I mean, it writes itself. Who it is does. also addicted to crack. Yes. And she doesn't understand why she's addicted to crack. Right. Yeah. So you get kind of a Nurse Jackie thing. You get kind of a, like, the shield thing. Ooh. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. I love yeah. Nurse Jackie. And make it a musical, because why not? Yeah. Because her mama could sing, why can't she? Exactly. There's a cable network out there that'll run it. Uh And they bring back the actor who plays her mother. I would love that. Who is by far the most talented actor on the show. She's wonderful. Yes. Oh, I feel a Kickstarter coming on, don't you? (laughs) I mean, mean, it's kind of right there. I mean, what are the odds the Shell Factory, who I'm sure are kind and generous people, are going to do things like sue somebody for making a fan film Mm -hmm. of their reboot of cop rock 
I know. Well, it's you know, it's all textual poaching, isn't it? And that's all. It's all very now. Yeah. <laughs> Fan films are very in. Yeah. That's why they have the YouTubes. The YouTubes. The YouTubes. I, yeah, I've heard of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then I've got Trish being amazing. Oh, sorry. Uh, Knott's Landing's Terry Austin's character Trish. Don't mm-hmm. fuck with our. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Laying well. down the law, saying. Yeah. If what you want is someone to play mummy, servant, or whore, then you're going to be really disappointed with me. I mm-hmm. fucking love that. That's amazing. It's a fantastic line. Yeah. So goddamn good. I think I should I love write that, that down and throw that in my repertoire of like when you. Know. That's on my Facebook now. Oh, I want it on a t shirt. Yes. Actually, yeah, when we get the merch going. Yeah. That'll be on a t-shirt. Actually, I wanted to cross the ass of a pair of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except the thing where it says, if what you want is blah, 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 or whore, then you're going to be really disappointed with me. I might have to change Asterisk. the disappointed to... Uh... <laughs> asterisk. Yeah. Uh, or and then at the bottom parentheses, asterisk, you'll be not disappointed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you'll be very satisfied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ask for a free, ask for a free sample. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my cables. <laughs> what veg we got today, officer? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you want to take bet? And then uh, <laughs> you mean Leonard? Leonard mm-hmm. Betts. <laughs> so uh, yes, I only have one more um, observation. I have written a lot of notes about the stalker storyline. Okay, go on. I felt really strongly about it. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. Um, so one of the things I wrote was okay. So maybe the world's most progressive storyline is not the one in which the soap star uses a cop to get away with murder, or is it? Yeah. Like, on the one hand, she does totally, like, set up a murder to happen. Except she doesn't set it up. She doesn't make the guy show up and stalk her. She just knows he's going to. And so she makes sure that there's a witness when she defends herself. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty brave. I think it's pretty great. Um, also, uh, so I'll, when he sings his song about, like, oh, eyes are brown and skin of satin and whatever. Um, and now I'm in the locker room and I'm probably going to jerk off. Then uh, I maybe should edit that out. I don't know. Anyway, um, but when he's like, oh, boo-hoo, she used me so that she could get away with murder, and now I'm going to sing about it. Um, wait, so now we're supposed to feel bad for the cop in all of this? It's because yeah. he didn't get laid. Or it's because he's sad because he didn't get laid because he's protecting him from the stalker, where really he's kind of stalking her himself. Yeah, because he took it upon himself to go intimidate yeah. the stalker to try to get the stalker to lay off. When he wasn't supposed to investigate this at all. Mm. So, privacy violated all around. Um, And then my final note about this was, so much of this show is about how the system stifles good choices and solutions, but it's a freaking cop show. It's about the goddamn system personified. Yeah. So, anyway, that's me being on my soapbox. And then I did write only, I love LaRusso's Lawyer. You really love what? I love LaRusso's Lawyer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that? Not slandings. Yeah. Yeah, Which is when you said the earlier thing about the soap 
gal. I was thinking yeah. of the soap gal from the lawyer right. thing, and then I was like, oh, uh, was, yeah. The soap gal and the thing that was stalked. I was kind of lost there for yeah. a minute, but still. Yeah. Trish. You love Trish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trish, yeah. Yeah. I love Trish. We all love Trish, don't we? She should come back in our reboot. Yes, she should, obviously. So. She's a lawyer. She could be like the mayor, couldn't she? Yeah, she could be the mayor now. She could be the mayor now. And she could be like all rich and powerful and sexually open and, and, oh. and completely in possession of herself and have all these men who are like trying to, to dominate her. And she's just like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. She could be like the, the total opposite of the mayor exactly. in Cut right now, yes. being a big wimpy non-entity. Yes. Terry Austin could be... Trish, the mm-hmm. new mayor, who mm-hmm. is sort of like, I mean, how old will she be now? Oh, I don't know. Now? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, 50s. Yeah, 50s. So she Perfect. could be, could have like a, like a, you know, like an older lady. I'm doing like, you know, air quotes because it's right. like in terms of TV, like, you know, portrayals of sexually active women on sure. TV, not very many, right? Ish. But, you know, so, so you'd have like an older sexual, sex positive woman being mm-hmm. the mayor. It writes itself, doesn't it? Does. It does. And you'd have all these like really shallow men who are desperately competing with one another mm-hmm. as though it were up to them. Yeah. And that's the point she keeps having to make to them. It's not up to you. Yeah. I don't know. She's Queen Bee. Yeah. yeah. Then we definitely would not have the evil twins come in and even try to suppose that she get plastic surgery. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Th- those guys are no. written out. In this episode. Yeah. Actually, right. somebody somebody might send them in and she might fire them on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Or they then may want to fuck her and her, yeah. you know, older, wonderful self. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Perish the thought of having sex with identical twins. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've Been definitely there, never done that. Um, so anyway, moving right along. Anyway, what was your what were y'all's last notes? Well, my last note was once again Crystal Ashtray's mum steals the show with a really nice performance. Uh, a song, "Nothing Matters But Love." Mm-hmm. And you're more than enough. Is, was that from the show, or are that, you addressing me? No, that's, that's <laughs> the second line of the lyrics. Oh, okay. And you're more than enough. Okay. That's yeah. where she's saying. Oh, you know. mm-hmm. yes. Because she gets a baby back. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank I was God. actually really glad that happened. I know. Yeah. I always am surprised when a television show can make me care about a child. Yeah. And it worked. Mm. Yeah. She looked well fed, though, you know, coming back from that couple's house and well yeah they were all trying to was that from the last episode right where yeah. they were trying to get her but you don't know maybe they, they were fattening her up yeah mm-hmm. mm. i think we've watched too many x-files <laughs> we don't know the fucking leonard betts is in this i mean, just, you know, I mean that, in that kind of like, frame yeah, of mind you can't yeah we can't be held responsible for that observation no. No. Yeah. <laughs> well all i can say is now that crystal ashtray and her mom have been reunited and they've had like a nice happy ending i hope that's not the ending oh i doubt it will be i want more she's in every episode that's all i'm going to tell you so happy now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, crack open a cream egg to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> crank open the nose. 
Yeah, what I wrote was Crystal Ashtray's Mama to the Rescue for a good closer. Yes. And then I wrote in all caps, Look, Ma, a character arc. (laughs) (laughs) So, that was the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, There wasn't a a song that really stood out. I mean, that last one's nice, but I don't don't want to put it on the soundtrack album because... I think the Stalker song is actually the best song in the the episode. The Stalker song. I actually... About the politician, I wrote the politician's song is both surreal and natural given the circumstance, which makes it even more surreal. Yes. In an almost Lynchian sense. Uh Uh-huh. You know, in sort of a David Lynch directs an episode of Cop Rock way. Oh. And so, which I would kill for, oh, obviously. But mm. David, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, Kickstarter, put down the transcendental meditation for like five seconds. Mm. Hit us up. We'll make it happen. It's it's got David Lynch written all over it, isn't it? doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. God. With Trish as the powerful female mayor. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I'm all tingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be the wine possibly <laughs> um, so are we going to go for the stalker song then I think it's a pretty great one I don't know I could be wrong but it's creepy I think it it's works. better than the Leonard Betts one yeah. and I think it's definitely better than the kind of jazzy white people getting busted by the cocaine bus mm-hmm. mm. and then we've got the campaign trail no I think it was definitely the stalker song mm-hmm. okay I still have to figure out what the fuck I wrote down ice cream corsage for. I don't know what every bowl means either. I think we're going to name this episode ice cream corsage now. (laughs) (laughs) An ice cream corsage in every ball. (laughs) (laughs) So, good cup, bad cup, and innocent bystander. I think we know who the good cup is this week. Who? Will be you, wouldn't it? Well, there are a lot of things I like. So should I start off with good cop? Yeah. Okay, so we have three. We have the big. We have the. We have the first two thirds of three really interesting storylines. Yes. One of them we get to see like the completion of a full character arc for Crystal Ashtray's mother. Yes. We get a good Crystal Ashtray's mom song. Mm-hmm. We get plenty of material for the fan fiction. Mm-hmm. We get to find out that Leonard Betts, the newest addition to the regular cast, can actually sing like crazy, even if his song itself is terrible and the storyline he's in turns out to be a big steaming pile. <laughs> um, we see like really innovative, I won't say discussions of topics, but mentions of topics that you didn't see in a lot of cop shows. Mm-hmm. And you still don't see in a lot of cop shows. And... Um, as much as I like fault them on so many things, the show continues to treat the cops as human beings and hold them accountable to that. So I'm going to be the good cop. Yeah, I was pretty pleased. This episode was good enough that I could barely remember it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that, I think. Yeah. What about you? I think I'm going to have to pull the innocent bystander because I definitely don't remember as much from this episode and I feel like I'm always usually bad cop. <laughs> or if I'm like coming out guns a-blazing as bad cop because I'm just like, this ter- this episode was terrible. Um, so I think I'm just going to go innocent bystander. Lots of good things, lots of bad things. Um, I agree with the uh, um, 
Sergeant Snout's assessment of like the Crystal Ashray's mom and the Leonard Betts song being good. Um, I can't wait to get the underwear that says, you know, <laughs> Trisha's line. If you want, or no, go ahead. Is it if you want? If or if what you want is someone to play mommy servant or whore, then you're going to be really disappointed with me. Yeah, and I like the asterisks. You know, Apart from the whole yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And then I can't wait to uh, figure out the ice cream corsage at every ball. So, yeah. So, innocent bystander over here just kind of sprawling down my thoughts. That works. So, I'm, I'm bad cop. And I'm kind of, I'm going to struggle to be bad cop. Because I think I would be innocent bystander as well. Um, I mean, I can be bad cop because... You know, there were three, three. There were there were three interesting storylines set up, and I, I think only one of them really paid off. There was also a scene which we didn't talk about of a man in the bath. Yes, and I could have done without that. Okay, actually, I'm ready to defend that scene. Go go ahead. Is this some kind of weird fetish thing? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just really into daddy's covered in bubbles. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that's a different tumbler that I do not maintain. Um, so no. Uh, the the thing I love about that scene is so the, like the truth of uh, drug enforcement in America mm-hmm. is so often, and I think I even talked about this maybe last episode. Uh, so often the people who wind up going up the river are the people who don't have anyone left to turn mm-hmm. on. And so like everybody who gets arrested initially, they flip on somebody else to get a reduced sentence or to get no sentence. And then the people that they flip on flip on whoever else is left. And you work the, the investigation, whatever law enforcement agency is investigating and pursuing this, it works their way through an organization until there's one person left with no one left on whom to flip. Mm-hmm. And that's the person who goes to prison forever. And it's almost always a nobody. It's almost always mm-hmm. the mule. Mm-hmm. So it's the person who technically broke the law by crossing state lines or whatever, who um, is just the person who is in the organization that's doing this, the absolute lowest person in the organization. They're the person who has possibly literally no idea what's in the bag. And they get handed the bag and a small amount of money and told, like, drive this two hours away from here and hand it to somebody in a gas station parking lot. Like, these are not masterminds that wind up going to prison for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. It was really interesting to me to see that inverted in this situation. Mm-hmm. The person who had only one person left on whom to flip flipped on them. And thus the person with no one left to flip on was the city councilman. Mm-hmm. And he's the one they end up busting in the end. And I found that a really fascinating inversion of what normally happens. And it's also a frustrating inversion because the implication, if you just watch the episode and you haven't spent a lot of time for whatever reason reading about criminal justice in America, um, you come away from it thinking, ah, justice won out. They got the real bad mm-hmm. guy. That almost never happens. So it's satisfying, but it's also fantasy. Yes. See, well, that's why I would, I would be bad cop and say, that's why I didn't like it. Because it was fantasy. Also, huge man boobs. <laughs> True. Um, Sorry, I got on a bit of a soapbox there. That's fine. One of my favourite topics. <laughs> Cut you down by saying huge man boobs. Huge <laughs> man boobs. 
And uh, if I have to be bad cop, then uh, yeah, the the songs weren't particularly memorable. Like the stalking song was the best one, but it was just like you know, it was the best of a of a pretty rotten lot. Um, it's very difficult to be bad cop though for this episode when we do find out you know that she's called Crystal Jennifer Spence Ashtray mm-hmm. uh, or Crystal. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, if I have to be back up, then I'm, I'm bad cop. And I would just like to point out that you know, if you want, if what you want is someone to play mommy servant or whore, then you're going to be really disappointed with me. Asterix, apart from the whore bit, on a pair of pa- written on a pair of pants, then those pants are going to be fucking enormous. <laughs> you feel like ten print right there. That's all you need. Just boink. Cheeks. Mm. Yeah, very small print. Oh, I guess you could put them around the straps, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not buying it. So, yeah, no. I'm, you would I, totally buy the pants. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the episode, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the, uh, uh, the, the denouement of any of those storylines, apart from Crystal Ashtray's, of course. It was really good. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Well, no. I'm sorry. This episode is bang to rights. <laughs> well, I think we've done a pretty solid job with this episode. Yeah. Solid job. <laughs> solid job. <laughs> Back to Shirley Manson again. Shaky boo face. Solid job is my working name. Is it <laughs> in a very specific genre? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, talking of solid jobs, let's go and watch uh, some more Cop Rock. Episode 6. Episode 6. So uh, I am uh, Sergeant Snout. Detective Duda. And I'm Officer Orifice. And we still don't have a sign off, so... uh, Is it don't get... Go cop yourself, what was it? (laughs) Go cop yourself, I guess. I don't know. I think after the next one will be the copperphiliac. Oh, yeah. Next next one or is it the next one after that? Oh, no, yeah, it's one of these. I don't remember. I'm going to go feel a cop, copperphiliac. Yeah. Feel a copyac. Feel a copyac, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're out. Ciao. Let's Watch Cop Rock is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme music for Let's Watch Cop Rock is The Crime by Risework, released under a Creative Commons Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 License. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter as at CopRocker and at Officer Orifice. And I was punished, I did my time, and now the jury in silent Maine. Has passed the verdict, seems I'm